So you ate your Thanksgiving dinner. You got your first shopping done. And now you're coming to join us here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM. Channel 80, Spain and Fitz and ESPN Radio. As always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Alongside Matt Schick, the indomitable back chick. I am Michael Rothstein. And Matt, happy late Thanksgiving to you on... What has been an interesting sports week so far? It's been a great sports week, uh, Michael, and always great to uh, be with you here on this uh, fine radio establishment, ESPN Radio. It is the best week in sports. Um, I am watching. I am watching right now. Uh, NC State and North Carolina rivalry game. Less than 30 seconds to go as North Carolina tries to tie up this game. That game's on ABC. I'm watching Nebraska and Iowa. Three and a half minutes to go. Nebraska trying to avoid yet another second half collapse. I've got turkey in my stomach from last night and tonight. I've got stuffing slash dressing. I've got mashed potatoes. What more do you want? Football, both NFL variety and college variety, plus great food, best sports week of the year, bar none. Can't be argued. And and I'm sitting here and I'm watching North Carolina and Iowa State play some college basketball here. Even better. On ESPN. Non-conference, great feast week. It's feast week, Michael Rothstein. It it is you know I'm not I'm not going to necessarily agree with you on it being the best sports week of the year because I would not even say it's the best football week of the year. Okay. I think that what you're looking at in terms of that you're looking at New Year's week because New Year's week you have NFL games that matter more. You have the college football playoff. You've got the and in, in other sports you've got the start of conference basketball season. You've got the Winter Classic in hockey. I love that week a lot more and then also honestly Final Four slash Masters all being in that same week, that week's above it for me, too. Okay, fine. If you want to take that, I I, I, I get the Final Four slash Masters. That's all, that's all fun and good. Your best week in sports has to include football. I mean, if it doesn't include yeah. football, it's not, it's not the best week in sports. The best sport has to be included in the best week in sports. So whether it's NFL or college, you take that. That's been great. Your, your, your playoff stuff, your New Year's Six and all that, the playoffs, okay, fine, that's fine. But I, I tell you what, everyone in the country is engaged here. This week, it's rivalry week. That spans coast to coast. Cal, UCLA, you think Cal cares about New Year's Six Bowls? No, but they care, care about UCLA and winning that game. Nebraska? They don't have anything to to root for in the postseason. They, they're three and eight. But I tell you what, they're all in on this game. Coast to coast, rivalry week. This combined with feast week plus NFL. Come on. This is it, baby. Is it. I mean, I don't know, Matt. I, I really I, I like my I like Michigan, my choices. Ohio State. Sure, and Michigan, you want to know what we may Ohio see State. and we may see that again this year. <laughs> Around New Year's, too, or who knows, maybe even in the national championship game, depending what happens on Saturday in the game in Columbus. Do you agree with Matt? Do you agree with me? Be a part of the Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. So what is your best week on the sporting calendar? Give us a call and answer that question as we just have as well. But I'm not done with this yet, Matt. Like, (laughs) I get what you're saying, but 
I mean, there's just not as much necessarily at – there's not championships at stake except for regular season conference championships here. Like, I need more stakes here. Like, that's what, to me, that New Year's week matters. Because Half the New Year's Six Bowls have nothing to do with the college football playoff. Half of those, it's bowl season. None of those have to do with championships. I mean, this is the college football playoff does. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of semifinals, you know. But I mean, New Year's Six. There's six games, right? Six bowl games. They're not all championship games. Uh, More of them are not. So, I mean, I'm just, you know, trying to trying to educate you here in this college football playoff process here, Michael Rothstein. I mean, I'm watching here. Look, does it get better than this? Eight seconds left. ABC, yes, I'm a company man. It's third down and goal. North Carolina trying to come back and tie this game against NC State. Dave Doran said North Carolina is an elitist program. Said that to Dave Pash in the production meeting. He went on to share that on the air tonight. There is hate. There is vitriol on Thanksgiving week. It's rivalry week, and North Carolina has just tied it up. God bless America. I I I think the tryptophan is still affecting you, my man. <laughs> I I mean, listen. It, I think it just depends on what sport you like and what sport is your favorite sport. If football is your favorite sport, then okay, I can understand that argument. I can understand that argument. But say football is not your favorite sport. Say basketball is your favorite sport. Say golf is your favorite sport. Well, then this week probably not your favorite sporting week on the calendar. Although I will say this, and this is a caveat this year and this year only is that the other sporting event that you did not mention that is going on, the World Cup, yes. that is going oh, on right now. You're so welcome. You're in welcome. In 2022. Yes. Matt. Up I, to the light. I, 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 and to, the light. Right. But this is a 2022 <laughs> only argument, Matt Chick. USA and England tie today at nil-nil, 0-0 for those who don't know what nil-nil is. This this year, I will buy that, Matt Chick. Right. This is Spin and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN Baby app. Yep. Alongside Matt Chick, I'm Michael Rothstein. And, I mean, I, I guess sit there, though, and I think about the games yesterday. Yeah. All of them were pretty good. But the best one to me was the first one. And you don't see that very often with the Detroit Lions that I used to cover. The Bills beat the Lions 28-25. And they did it because of Josh Allen, who has continued even playing with a bum elbow to make big plays. And and here's what he had to say about that late throw and catch to Stephon Diggs and then the game-winning field goal from Tyler Bass. They were playing a little two-man concept, and um, actually me and Doris kind of talked about that a few days ago. Um, you know, we saw the same look in, in a previous game and just said, hey, let's, let's put this play in just, just in case we might need it. We called it, and Steph ran a heck of a route and uh, just gave him a chance. He made a heck of a play. And then, obviously, T-Bass being able to you know, have a short memory after that PAT and kick the game-winning field goal, that's, that's dude's tough as nails. Right? That's tough to do for an NFL kicker. You know, you just missed one. You're stepping up to the plate to win a game, uh, and he delivered for us. Matt, do you think the Bills are still the best team in the NFL, or is that up to debate, to debate now? I, I think they're the most talented team in the NFL. Uh, they have the most talented quarterback at that position. You can flip a coin with Mahomes, and I would certainly listen to that argument. Um, they, I, in my judgment, they have the toughest quarterback at that position. I, I'll say this. I've been a Bills fan uh, my entire life, and I feel there's now some concern 
entering the back of my mind, I think a lot in Bills Nation, where you just expected it to look a little different. I don't know if it's because of the odd weeks that they've had with the snow and going to Detroit. The Cleveland game should have been a home game. That was, you know, the score wasn't, it wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. But then this game against Detroit on Thanksgiving just didn't put it all together. Josh Allen and his red zone interceptions, he's got four of them this year. That's most in the NFL course it takes a lot of trips to the red zone to get four red zone trips so they're very good offense but there's concern there and then von miller's injury um i mean you acquire him to go for broke and to win the super bowl anything less than that is a disappointment and so i hope that we as bills fans are not setting ourselves up for disappointment here i still think they're the best team in the league i still think there's a switch that they can flip just like we saw at the end of this lions game yesterday when you you know any time on the clock is too much time for josh allen but but i'm concerned because the chiefs are now chiefing right now they're and mahomes is mahomesing right now he's he's they're asserting themselves even without the kind of weapons that the bills have at least at receiver they have the best tight end of the game so i'm, I'm a little concerned there's no question about it no, I think that concern is fair because I, I want to see Josh Allen be completely healthy. And until Josh Allen, I think, is completely healthy, and there were some throws in that game yesterday that you're like, he usually makes those, so you got to figure he's not quite there yet. Until he's completely healthy, I would be concerned about the Bills. And obviously, if Von Miller's out for a long period of time, it sounds like, what, indefinitely, but who knows what that'll mean terms of the playoffs, then yes, that would be concerning as well because you brought Von Miller in for one purpose and one purpose only to get pass rush to make the Super Bowl. I still think that they have as good a shot as any, though, out of the AFC. Coming up, Nebraska in college football, they might have found their next head coach. And we'll talk about that next. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, alongside Matt Schick. I am Michael Rothstein. We are talking a whole bunch of sports today, but we also want to hear from you. We're asking, is this the best sports week of the year? Yes, yes. Matt Schick agrees that it is, or he thinks that it is. I do not agree. We're going to head out to the Dr. Pepper call-in line now. We're going to go to Jeff in Columbus. Jeff. Is this the best sports week of the year or no? Oh, man. So I don't know how long I got. I'll just go to you. Cut me off. I'm, I'm, I'm Tennessee Jeff. I'm the guy that did the uh, rally for Urban. I, I, this, tomorrow is my 40th Ohio State team up north game in person. It's my 40th. I'm 53 years old. Um, the only one I've missed since I was 12 years old is the one they didn't show up in 2020. Uh, USC, UCLA, Florida State, Florida, Bama, Auburn. Those are cute. Those are cute little games. Uh, this game without a shot. I don't know if you've ever been anybody who's listening. I'm sure some of you have. Without a doubt, Ohio State and the team up north, if you haven't been, it's it's it, no disrespect to veterans. I'm, I am a veteran. This is a war between the lines. This is a three-and-a-half-hour dogfight, and this is without a doubt the best robbery in sports. This is without a doubt the best weekend. I don't even. I guess there's a soccer match going on. I don't know. I've heard something about the World Cup. Um, we can't – listen, we can't win the game every year, right? Ohio State cannot win that game every year. But I'll tell you right now, what we've heard – you know, the team I'm north have been talking all year. 300. Listen, man, I've been waiting 364 days for tomorrow. And I'm going to, I'm just going to elaborate a little bit. Here's what's going to happen tomorrow. We win the coin toss. We get the ball. 
if we make corn, I believe I've heard. I know a lot of the coaches. I mean, I'm, I'm friends with some of the coaches, recruiting director Mark Antonio. If we get the ball tomorrow and take him, so we make Corm a non-factor, even if he does play, uh, it, this game will not be close. It won't be close because last year I was sitting in Ann Arbor and Aiden Hutchinson and 108,000 people up in Ann Arbor willed that team to victory. And they they deserve to run their mouth all year long what they have. But uh, the, congratulations, Ann Arbor and Michigan guy. Your one year, your one game win streak is absolutely without a doubt over tomorrow at three thirty. Ohio State will crush you, and this is the best robbery in freaking sports. Go Bucks, baby! Oh, that's great. Thank that's you, great. Jeff. Happy um, Thanksgiving. He's such a big fan. He forgot what time the game is. It's at noon <laughs> Eastern, buddy. It's uh, not three thirty. Uh, don't don't get there at three thirty, buddy. You're gonna miss it. Uh, look, maybe that's th- why that- he missed the one that he did. <laughs> no, no. no, the COVID year they didn't play. You know, this is the first time in four years that. They, Michigan has played in Columbus because yeah. of COVID back in 2020 when that game was not played. And furthermore, I was talking to my buddy Ben Hartsock, who we're going to have on later on. He was telling me, and because of that, the nature of that, that there are only eight players on Ohio State that have beaten Michigan. Think about that. Just eight not players bad. that have beaten Michigan because they didn't play in 2020, they played last year, and Ohio State guys you know, typically leave early. So... Um, this is going to be really interesting. I, I, I love that call because that feeds into the argument of this being the best week in sports. Ohio State-Michigan is the best rivalry in sports. I will listen to North Carolina-Duke. We can get into that topic later. We don't need to beat that down now. But I just, I'm looking forward to that game tomorrow. Ohio State and Michigan, so much on the line. Uh, top four matchup, top three matchup, college football playoff rivalry. They hate each other. Let's play that game tonight. No, I'm with you. I covered four of those games. Cover when I was first at ESPN and before that at the local paper in Michigan. So I've been there. I've actually covered a rare Michigan win over Ohio State, the last one before the one last year in Denard Robinson's last game, which was the Luke Fickle year with Ohio State in their transition year. That was when that, they flipped off the, the Ohio State player flipped off yes. the uh, Michigan as they went through the tunnel. Right. Yes, after he was ejected from the game. That's yes, right. absolutely. Like, right. There, There is so much in the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry that I agree with you that it is the best rivalry in college football. There is – I don't even know if there's one that is comparable. Maybe the Iron Bowl, now that I lived in the South. Like, I think the Iron Bowl has it. In terms of every year, it's pretty competitive, although maybe not so much this year. However, I, I'm, I, I think it's Michigan-Ohio State, and then I don't even think it's close. Of course, when we're talking about Auburn, though, they are in need of a new coach. And that coach, Matt Chick, may not be Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin did say yesterday that he anticipates to come back to Ole Miss in 2023, even if Auburn offers him the chance to have that job and to go up against Nick Saban. He was asked about that after they lost in the Egg Bowl to Mississippi State, a game that, frankly, they had no business losing. So do you believe Lane Kiffin? I believe he's being truthful when he says, I anticipate being the head coach. Uh, It's like, you know, I anticipate eating this meal unless something better comes along. You know, like I, like I, I anticipate a lot of things that don't actually happen because I'm given another option. So the question he was asked allowed him the exit there, but he did, you know, he did say, "Yeah, I anticipate being that coach." We'll see if it's quiet. We'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, Lane Kiffin has made no bones about the fact that he's frustrated with, you know, he made. Uh, 
his frustrations known about the lack of you know attendance for these early games and seeing all those empty seats. I, I just wonder if he's ready to move on, ready to turn the page, and ready to uh, to uh, increase his bankroll a little bit, which he certainly would do at Auburn. And maybe an Auburn team is more well equipped uh, with a fully funded uh, boosters that you would be able to beat in Alabama a little bit more regularly than he can right now and and win games like he lost yesterday. So uh, I, I would say so. I, I would say he's going to stay, but that's just based on what he said. And then the other the other news coming out is that uh, Chris Lowe, who we're hoping to talk to later on, reporting that Nebraska has zeroed in on Matt Rule to be its head coach. I just watched Nebraska. It just went final. They just beat Iowa 24 24- to 17 had a big lead held on to it and they finished their season four and eight and now the uh, matt rule watch continues um so uh, chris love is not going to join us not going to be able to join us here uh, during this show but nebraska it looks like matt rule is going to be the guy and uh, my guess is that announcement will come in the next 24 to 48 hours and i think it's a good hire matt i really do because matt rule is a good coach don't pay attention to necessarily what happened in Carolina because in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you're sunk. And he never had a quarterback when he was the coach of the Carolina Panthers. And he he didn't really have enough time in some ways to build that program like he wanted to because of the quarterback carousel that he had. But the guy won at Baylor. That's really hard to do. The guy won at Temple. It's really hard to do. I think he'll go to Nebraska, and I think he'll be very successful, and I think he'll be very successful quickly, like really, really quick. Temple had never won 10 games in a season, and Matt Rule did it twice. Um, And it wasn't just that he won at Baylor. It was that he did it in the context after the Art Bryles scandal. 1-11, and 7-6, and 11-3. So he can turn programs around as a program builder, as a program rebuilder, and Nebraska needs a grinder, and if you're Nebraska, you hope that if it's Matt Rule that he says, hey, Mickey Joseph, you're in charge of recruiting, you're my highest paid assistant, you're my associate head coach, let's go, baby, and let's uh, let's run roughshod over the Big Ten West. Absolutely, and the other thing is, there's not a lot of strong teams in that area, so he can own that pretty quickly, I think, as long as he finds, as everything else, a quarterback. Coming up, we catch up with Bill Barnwell to give us the latest around the NFL. This is Spain and Fitz in ESPN Radio. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. And we're going to go out to the phone lines now to bring in one of the best. If you need NFL analysis, you go to Bill Barnwell. Bill, happy belated Thanksgiving and welcome to the show. Thanks for taking some time this evening with us. Of course. Thanks, guys. So let's start with, I think, one of the more interesting storylines for the entire week, which has been the Zach Wilson saga in New York. What do you make of all of it, considering what we've heard from Robert Sala, what we've heard from Zach Wilson, and what we really know about the reality of what happens when quarterbacks are benched? Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing something that we don't see very often, which is teams giving up on top five quarterbacks, at least temporarily giving up on a top five quarterback in their second season. Josh Rosen was maybe the exception where he was taken out of the lineup after one year. They traded him before his second season in Arizona, but that was for Kyler Murray. That was, they had the first overall pick. They had an upgrade available at quarterback. We are seeing the Jets and Zach Wilson for Mike White. I think Mike White is a underrated quarterback, but certainly it's not like he has a 
you know, significant pedigree. So I think it tells you more about how they feel about Zach Wilson and his struggles than how they feel about Mike White or possibly Joe Flacco. Um, and I think you're seeing a coach, Robert Sala, who's being realistic about that locker room where he was in that locker room. There was certainly a reaction. Garrett Wilson had several quotes that were pretty shocking about um, where that team stands. I think the rest of that team feels like they're a playoff team, and I agree with them. Defense has been third, second, I should say, in the NFL in EPA per play allowed since week three. They are a playoff contender right now, but they need a competent quarterback. And I think Zach Wilson was not showing many signs that he was going to be that guy for the New York Jets. Yeah, it's certainly something that was not only his play on the field, but then when he didn't take accountability off the field, that just compounds the issue. And the last thing you need is a locker room distraction or an issue with a guy who's not performing on the field. So, Bill, how much of this mm-hmm. is a short-term play and how much of it's a long-term play with the Jets? I think it's it's, I think it's both, realistically. You know, I think it changes the way you think about your future. I, I think before this week, before that Patriots game, I think even though Zach Wilson was struggling, I think if you asked the Jets and they would be honest with you, they would tell you, hey, you know, Zach is going to be our guy moving forward. We think he's going to pull his way out of this. Now, even though it's only one game, I, I think there's realistic questions about what they do in the offseason, what they do the next time he gets back in the lineup when he struggles. I think we'll see him again this year as the starter, but the first time he has a bad game, there's going to be those questions in a way that they were not in years past. And I think the other issue here is that there is a very obvious candidate to the Jets lurking next offseason, and that is Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to be a free agent that the Niners probably aren't going to be able to afford keeping around and who has very comfortable familiarity with that coaching staff, all of which came from San Francisco. So I think it's very likely that Jets sitting here saying, hey, you know, if we can't get anybody better than Zach Wilson, yeah, we'll run it back next year. But if they can go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they'd have to really consider that But maybe uh, a couple of weeks ago, they would not have thought of the same way about maybe adding a veteran like Garoppolo to that quarterback room. But let's stay in New York, Bill, because the other team in New York has been maybe one of the surprises of the NFL, and that's the Giants, at least until the last month when they've lost three of their last four. Do you feel like with Daniel Jones that he's played himself in a, to a position that they should keep him around beyond this year, or maybe are the Giants also living in this Jimmy Garoppolo world? I think they're certainly in the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation. You know, I think for the Giants, it's difficult because they have to consider two things at once, right? They have to consider not just Daniel Jones, but also Saquon Barkley's future with the organization. And if they want to keep Saquon Barkley for, uh, you know, a significant contract. To me, I think you have one franchise tag, and I think you'd probably prefer to use it on Saquon, a guy who's gotten injured year after year, a guy who has struggled to stay healthy, a guy who has struggled to stay consistent, but we know can be a superstar and the focal point of that offense. So I think giving him the franchise tag makes a lot of sense, seeing if he can prove it again next year. With Daniel Jones, though, that means he's probably going to be a free agent. And I think I think he's moved, but I think we've seen over the past couple of weeks when he has to be the focal point of the offense, when Saquon's struggling or they're behind and they have to throw, it looks a lot like the same old Daniel Jones. So to me, I think on the Giants, I probably am open to a reunion next year, but I think I would let him hit the market, see what's out there, and be prepared to replace him with another option. It turns out that he does have a more robust market than maybe I would expect heading into the offseason. 
Bill Barnwell, ESPN NFL senior writer, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Matt Schick alongside Michael Rothstein. Uh, it's a quarterback-driven league. Uh, it's a quarterback-driven sport. So let's stick in New York uh, where the Jets are facing the Bears on, on Sunday. Justin Fields, one of the most electric quarterbacks, uh, whether it's real football or fantasy football, he has been outstanding so far. But 3-8 and eight record, not a lot of hope for anything substantial down the stretch. So what do you do with Justin Fields with that uh, injury to his non-throw? shoulder what do you expect on Sunday yeah I mean I, I would expect him to be Justin Fields like I think we've seen with Josh Allen comes to mind you know when you have guys playing on the field whatever they say during the week about being careful or taking care of themselves like they're not going to do it man they're just going to go out and play their game and Justin Fields smart guy but such a tough player but we saw in, in his college days you know when he had injuries he played through it he said I, I'm going to carry the team on my back and was very good doing so um I think teams have to be kind of, you know, they have to look out for their players as opposed to having the players look out for their players. Uh, and I think for the Bears, like you said, they're, I don't know if they're tanking, but certainly they've traded away a couple of their key pieces on defense, Robert Quinn, uh, Ben Roquan Smith. They have certainly not added a ton this offseason. They're playing for the future. Justin Fields for them is the future. So I, I would be not having him play, but I think once you put him in the lineup, you can't really count on him being anything other than the guy who is putting his body at risk running the football week after week. Well, I mean, to follow up on that, I mean, don't you really have to in some ways sit him because they are going nowhere at this point? I, that seems like the responsible thing to do. I, I would think so. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably what I would do. But again, I think, you know, for the Bears, it's maybe – they're thinking about it differently. Maybe they're thinking, hey, we're on a losing streak. Maybe let's win a game and then maybe put Justin Fields out. Um, you know, if he can tolerate it, if it's just a pain thing as opposed to the aggravation of possibly re-injuring the shoulder. Um, but I, I think for the Bears, every decision they have to make should be about what's best for us in 2023 and 2024. And to me, I think that's pretty clear. What do you think about Justin Fields and whatever is going on with his shoulder right now? Bill Barnwell joining us. I want to ask you about the Buffalo Bills. Back-to-back wins after dropping back-to-back games. Josh Allen, clearly not 100%, but you'd take 75%. Josh Allen over anybody else mm-hmm. at the position. Von Miller, not a torn ACL, but also no timeline for his return. How would you assess the Bills moving forward here in a Super Bowl or bust uh, season? I mean, I think they're the best team in football when everyone's healthy, but like you said, I mean, clearly not everybody's healthy. And we're seeing the hiccups, right? I mean, we've seen the secondary struggle in that Vikings comeback where it's a bunch of backups uh, getting mossed by Justin Jefferson um, or, or not making tackles on 81-yard touchdown run. Um, I think we're seeing the offense struggle in the red zone. Josh Allen's kind of margin for error. That window, that little bit he could put passes in, well, that window's different now because he's not the same zip. Or he can't rely on the same zip pass after pass, even if he can make some crazy throws still for a guy with a UCL injury. So that's just the reality of football. I mean, the Eagles are one of the healthiest teams in football. That's one of the reasons they've been so good. The Vikings, same thing. You know, uh, as much as we might like the Bills on paper, and they were my Super Bowl pick before the season, you know, the, the team you get in January is not always the team you have on, on the field in September. And for the Bills, I think, you know, their success in January is going to come down to how many of those guys are back either at 75% or 100%. Michael Rothstein alongside Matt Schick. We're talking to ESPN senior NFL writer Bill Barnwell. And, Bill, we've talked a lot about good football teams so far. I want to take a look at the most mediocre division in the NFL. That's the division I also cover, the NFC South. As of today, with six or seven games left, depending on the team that is playing, 
Who do you think ends up winning this mess of a division? <laughs> You're being very kind in describing this division, Michael. I think you could be a lot more critical of how ugly this division has been from week to week. I'm going to say Tampa Bay. I think they've been a little unlucky this year with some stuff in close games, fumble uh, recovery rates, stuff like that. Uh, that historically tends to even out as the year goes along, and that will help them win some games. I'm excited. This looks like maybe get Rashad White this week, and I think he could be a real difference maker for that offense. Leonard Fournette was really struggling uh, to run the football effectively. I think Rashad White can be a focal point for that offense in the second half of the year. And I just, you know, I would love to tell you that I have some really smart opinion here, but at the end of the day, I just have faith in Tom Brady to win kind of a mediocre division given the other quarterbacks. Uh, in the NFC South right now where you don't even know who's going to be starting week to week, maybe in some of these teams over the next five or six weeks of the year. So I'll put my faith in Tom Brady. It steered me right for 20 years now. I'm going to keep doing it until eventually I get you know steered wrong. Tom Brady and the Bucks. they've got the Browns coming up on Sunday. Uh, the Browns storyline is interesting with Deshaun Watson set to return from suspension in week 13 against his former team, the Texans. This is also a team that's uh, out of most anything significant now. How, how does his return change the dynamics for this franchise, though, uh, for the end of the year? Yeah, I think from the Browns perspective, it, it's a boost, obviously. I mean, we can raise the questions about Deshaun Watson, whether you should be a trading for him in the first place and you know the moral uh, implications of rooting for a player who does have so many allegations of sexual assault against him. Um, but from the Browns' perspective, this is what they were waiting for. They made this trade thinking, okay, Deshaun Watson's going to be a difference maker for our football team. I'll admit, I think Jacoby Brissett has played really well. I don't think he's been the problem with that team, but I do think that Deshaun Watson takes them to a new level. So maybe the shootouts they've been having, where they maybe come up just short with Jacoby Brissett, maybe Deshaun Watson puts them over the line in terms of winning a couple of those games. And I think that for them, like you said, out of playoff contention realistically, I think it's much—it's really about just getting kind of on a positive foot for 2023 when they'll have Watson for the full season and maybe being a playoff contender next year in the AFC North. Well, Bill, it's going to be another wild week in the NFL. I think that's the one thing that we all know for certain, right? And you <laughs> will be on top of all of it. Thanks, as always, for taking a few minutes of your night with us. Of course. Thanks, guys. That was the great Bill Barnwell. And as we've been talking about all night long, we're wondering, is this the best sports week of the year? We're going to go back to the Dr. Pepper call in line. Ace from South Bend, is this the best sports week of the year? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I just want to ask a question about Ohio State and Michigan. Do you think think the Buckeyes have a chance? I, I, you know, I grew up a buck, and I love the buck. Yes, I live in Notre Dame country today. Do you think the Buckeyes have a chance? I know, I know, Michigan is good too. What do you think? Well, thanks for the call. I think they got a great chance. Uh, they're favored by uh, more than a touchdown in this game. Uh, Michigan's banged up in the backfield. Blake Corn, we don't know if he's going to play, and if he is, if he's a hundred percent, how they scheme around him if he's not 100%. He's as tough as nails, though. i got to imagine they're going to pound the ball with him at least 15 to 20 times. Uh, what happens with Donovan Edwards? He's not in tomorrow, likely. We shall see. So they're a little bit banged up, but, man, can Michigan in that offensive line and even in that defensive front with Mike Morris, he'll be back this week. This is a program in a, in a team that Jim Harbaugh built to beat Ohio State. 
but I think Ohio State's going to have some success, and I think if they can get to 30 points, they win the game. Because I, I just don't see Michigan running up and down the field on this Buckeyes defense, and for good reason. Jim Knowles was paid a lot of money to come in and fix this defense. They got a lot of stars on this defensive front. They don't run the ball. They don't lean on the run as much, um, speaking of the Buckeyes. So if the weather's good, uh, I favor I favor Ohio State to uh, come away with this win. Yeah, also, listen, they have the better quarterback in this competition, in this game also, and that I always lean toward that. Plus, Ryan Day has only lost four games in the regular season as a college head coach. So I like the Buckeyes in this one, although I think Michigan definitely hangs around. I think it's a really, really close game. If you want to join the conversation on the best week in sports, give us a call, 1-888-729-3776. That's 1-888-SAY-ESPN. Coming up, our biggest takeaways from Yesterday's Thanksgiving games. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Spain and Fitz and ESPN Radio is always presented by Progressive Insurance. Alongside the incredible Matt Schick, I am Michael Rothstein. And no, it's not been incredible for North Carolina, Matt, in the last, oh, I don't know, 25 minutes. <laughs> NC State. Beats UNC in double overtime. Second straight loss for the Tar Heels after they lost to Georgia Tech last week in football. And then UNC was ranked number one in basketball. They still are for right now, but probably won't be after this week because very soon after that, Iowa State beat UNC in basketball 70-65. Rough half hour for the Tar Heels. Michael, rough eight minutes. Like, that was 7.34 a.m. Eastern. North Carolina loses on the field goal miss in double overtime to their in-state rival NC State. And then at 7.42 p.m. Eastern time, number one Tar Heels hoops goes down to Iowa State. That's, look, for regular season stuff, that's about as bad as it gets. Caleb Grill is awesome for Iowa State. 31 points, the most points scored by any player over a number one team in three years. So uh, there goes Iowa State, and uh, there goes this day for North Carolina. The, the word Black Friday, yeah, that's never been uh, more apropos. A very dark, dark day for North Carolina yeah. in regular season sports for the university itself. Although they can be very thankful that at least in basketball, there's a long, long way to go. Football, this has just been a really rough end of the season for what had really seemed like it had been a promising year for the Tar Heels with their quarterback, Drake May, who you have to feel like he has a really bright future. And we're probably talking about him, I think, a year from now, if things go well, about possibly going to New York. I want to stay in New York, but... Not for college football. The Giants played yesterday on Thanksgiving. They lost to the Cowboys 28-20. Third loss in four games for the Giants. So for Brian Dable in his first year as head coach, does it feel like a crossroads? At this point, do you see the season kind of at a crossroads here? No. I see us getting ready to play Washington. All right, that was a pretty quick and definitive. Moving on to Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah very, that was a very Zach Wilson-esque <laughs> answer there from Brian Dayball in terms of that. But do you feel that it's a crossroads time for the Giants here in, in year one for Brian Dayball, Matt? 
I don't think. I mean, crossroads means like you're now. It's gonna you're heading down a bad path. You're either gonna choose the right path and you're gonna finish with ten wins and or nine or ten wins and you're gonna make the playoffs, or things are gonna spiral out of control. Look, I mean, their next three games are their next four games are very very challenging. The Commanders twice, which is a decent NFL team uh, that is playing very hard and has found new life with Taylor Heineke. And the Eagles team, which could be the best team in the NFL. So in terms of crossroads, I- I'm just not sure what people expected here. The loss to the Lions was a that was disaster. The worst that was a yeah. disaster. This loss at the Cowboys, a team that just put up 40 against the Vikings the previous week. I mean, I'm not sure what what people expect. This team overachieved to get to its seven wins, eventually water finds its level, and that's what happens here with a, a team like the Giants with an average at best NFL quarterback. I mean, it's a it's a quarterback-driven league, quarterback-driven sport, and right now they do not have one of the great ones. And so when that happens, you're, it brings in a lot of different variables here. And um, he was inaccurate yesterday, did not look great, missed some easy layups, and that's what you get, an, an eight-point loss to a Cowboys team that was favored by more than that. And not only that, the players he's throwing to right now are not the players he necessarily thought he was going to be throwing to, either from caliber in terms of what's kind of happened to Kenny Galladay with, since signing with the Giants last year, or just in personnel because Sterling Shepard, who was having a great start to the year, has now been out for two months due to injury. So, I, I mean, Richie that's James, th- Isaiah yeah. Hodgins, Lawrence Cager. Like, can anyone name these players? I count on because the, I'm in a deep fantasy street, league, I know. but other than that. <laughs> no, you're the wrong person to ask. But uh, outside of Darius Slayton, I mean, look, you, you got an average quarterback and average weapons outside of Saquon Barkley and, and playing a, an above average, one of the best teams in the league. That's what happened there. But it is paramount they rebound next week. No, it, it is. And listen, coming up, we will keep talking about the Giants and the Cowboys. And we'll get to the Vikings and Patriots because those were the games that happened yesterday. Very interesting stuff. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio.